about all those things. But you can turn in your Bibles. We're going to be over in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, as we continue to look at how to pray and ask for favor or things for, for, that other people have. What are we supposed to do with that? Are we, is it something we ask God for? Is it something that we pray about? There was a pastor who was teaching on Proverbs 16 and verse 24, which reads, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. And the minister added, he said, You know you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. And we've heard that one before. Well, there was a couple that was in the audience at that point, and husband and wife, and the wife just kind of leaned over to the husband and put her head on her shoulder and just kind of whispered to him and says, Honey, I love the way your muscles ripple when you take out the garbage. (laughs) I'll tell you what, folks, if we were to spend more time on being pleasant, we would get a lot more favor in this life. Last week we were looking at what's your flavor using the stories in the book of Esther. We saw a couple of things we brought out here for you last time, remember? Celery. Celery is a bit bitter. Some people, like me, don't like it at all. We pick it out of the food. There's horseradish, moody people. Sometimes it's this way, sometimes it's another way. Tasty cake. Some folks are just overly sweet. Coffee. People that are perky give you energy. Avocados. Some people are just beneficial in their life, but we don't necessarily like them. Apple. Those folks that are steady. Good, beneficial. Always the same. There are some other things we could have added in there. Just so We don't want to make the list too long, but we could have put jalapeno peppers in there. Angry people. And you could have put any, any peppers between jalapenos and ghost peppers. I've heard ghost peppers are nasty. And I will never try one. <laughs> I've seen the re- reactions people have had eating those things. Um, anybody never heard of ghost peppers? Oh yeah, d- keep them off your diet. You don't need those kind of things. I was thinking of bringing in some WD-40. People that are whiners and complainers just always seem to need to be treated. Always need to be cared for. Just wherever they're going, they're squeaking, they're squawking, they're something. Just needs to seem like you carry a can of WD-40 and just keep spraying them. Have a duct tape. Yeah, those people that are fixers, peacemakers, just always seem to be able to come into a situation and make it better, help it out. And you can keep on going and think of other other things. But we're going to take a look at, we, you notice we've got our box on our table here this morning. We have something inside there to show you here in just a little bit. But here in Daniel chapter 1, verse one, we're really picking up verse 5, but I just don't like to jump in the middle of the chapter. So let's pick up at verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried in the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasures of the house of his God. And the king instructed Aspenes, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, 
who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So look at who they were looking for. They weren't just looking for some good-looking guys. They wanted young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom. How many of you have met some people that are not gifted in all wisdom? Possessing knowledge and quick to understand. How many of you know some folks that are not quick to understand? They would not make this group. Who had ability to serve in the king's palace. Now notice that not everybody can. Not everybody carries themselves the way that they should. Not everybody uh, approaches the service of the king the way that they should. And whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Now everybody pull out your bulletin. Look at the front cover. I put on your front cover of the bulletin a uh, particular trans- translation of it, and you'll notice that it says there that God gave Daniel. That's the ESV. Actually, it was the only one I could find anywhere on the internet that put this verse on a nice-looking background that we could use in the bulletin. A lot of times they put, put them and they make them in such a way you can't use them, but this one was there. But I also wanted to emphasize the point. They, they translated it this way, and God gave Daniel favor with. Is that God's to give? Can God give your favor to anyone? No, it's not God's to give. It's your favor. If it's your favor, then it's up to you who you give it to. Isn't it? How many of you know, we, we call it this way, we call salvation giving your heart to the Lord. Whose heart is it? It's your heart. Who gives it to the Lord? You do. If you are responsible for giving your heart to the Lord, why are you not responsible for giving anything else? It is your favor. Your favor will be given to whom you want. Now, some people are more spiritual and some people are more carnal. And that favor can be influenced by non-spiritual factors. But do understand this. God's favor is not yours as a child of God. There is some favor that you will come into for that. But the, the stuff that most people are praying for comes as a result of you living a favorable lifestyle. I mean, we've all heard the, the explanation. You know, the kids are growing up. They've got four or five kids in the family. And one of them says, I'm the favorite. I'm the favorite. Why is it that we can think that one is the favorite? And if we ever say that, if you ever hear one of the siblings say that and they begin to argue, what do they begin to argue about why they are the favorite? Well, I do this that mom and dad like. 
well, yeah, but I do this that mom and dad. We all go through all the things that we know mom and dad like to see. And in me, they're seeing it. They're not seeing it in you. They're seeing it in me. In the word of God, does the favor of God come upon all men equally? During the time of Abraham, whom did the favor of God come upon? came upon Abraham. Later on, we find out with some of the descendants, what did he say about Esau? Jacob, I've loved, but Esau, I've hated. Now, we haven't got into that yet. We're going to get into that probably later on. But why is it that God would use such language? Because one did things in a way that drew the favor of God and one did things that did not. That actually drew it away. We'll spend some time on that down the road. But you see, you, can't, you, you have certain favor, a low level of favor, just being a child of God. But most of us want to get into a higher area of favor. And where does that come from? Was David more favored than all the sons of Jesse? Remember when Samuel came up to the first son? What did he say about the first son? I have not chosen him. You look on the outward. I look on the heart. What's what's God saying in that statement? (laughs) What you see isn't what I consider to be important. It's down on the inside. And what I see on the inside is telling me, don't pick this guy. And he went down through all the sons until Samuel said, do you have any more? Did Did you leave one out? Well, there is one other. And as soon as he came, what did God say of him? He's the one. Anoint him. He is a man after my own heart. Favor in the kingdom of God, folks, is not automatic. Nor is it something that you pray for. It is something that you walk in. See, that takes a little more effort. I don't always like that. Where do we leave off at? Verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Now because he had brought him into favor, how does, how does Daniel walk into favor? He's got the eunuchs there. How, remember last week we looked at Esther. Esther, of all the, ones that were, all the ladies that were brought in, she's the one that the, the, the head eunuch was drawn to. He gave her extra stuff, gave her the best room in the house. She was, he was drawn to give that favor to her. Now here we find Daniel and the head of you, the eunuchs, is drawn to Daniel. He's giving him favor. Why would that be? Well, we saw the things that were important and that brought them in. So what we can assume, probably rightfully so, is that of those things, Daniel was far above all the others. He walked in more wisdom. He walked with more grace and honor and dignity. He knew how to, how to operate in a king's room. He was very agreeable, easy to get along with. Let's take a look at the, the rest of these things. Oh, I didn't read over some other verse of Scripture. I want to read this, this here to you. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2, I made this note in your outline. If you are going to be trusted by others, you have to see things in views 
other than your point of view. Some people can never get out of their own point of view. All they can do is see things as they see it because how they see it is right. doesn't matter if how you see it is right. You need to get out of seeing things out of your, outside of your point of view. Proverbs 16.2 says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. You need to get out and see things from a different point of view than just your own. Proverbs 21.2, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Just because you are convinced that your way is right does not mean you should be insisting on it. You need to open up to what other people have to say. If you want them to be open to your viewpoint, you must first be open to theirs. It doesn't mean that, well, you know, we believe that all things are God. And uh, we can, they're not, they're not talking about things like that. But if you just shut, shut them down, why should they listen to you? You just say, well, you are some kind of stupid for believing that. They're just going to close them down from hearing from you. You can say things like, well, I understand that's where you're coming from. I don't. I have, I have gone into a place where I found out that Jehovah God, oh, he is a God like no other. And you begin to go on and talk about your God. Instead of putting down their viewpoint, you talk about your God. You will get a whole lot more favor. Let's go on here. I'll put this in your outline for you. I want you to write this down. Others will not favor whom they do not trust. Other people will not favor whom they do not trust. If you want people to have favor for you, you need to be brought into their trust. Now, most people have a level of trust they give to you when they first meet you. How many of you have met some people and after getting to know them, you don't trust them? Nor do they have your favor. If you don't trust them, you won't give them favor. Now, once you can meditate on that concept some as you go through the week. Because if you can get a hold of that concept, you can understand who God favors. Whom does God favor? Those whom He trusts. Take you back to a parable. Parable of the minus. To one guy he gave one. To one guy he gave five. To one guy he gave ten. The one who had ten came back and brought how many? Ten more. The one who had five came back and brought back how many? Five more. The one who had one came back and brought back how many? Just what he received. And he took that one and he gave it to the one who has ten. Why? Because he who has more was faithful with what he had. Therefore, he will be faithful if more is given to him. In other words, God said this, because I found that I can trust this one more, I gave him more favor. You ponder that for a little bit and see if you don't come up with that same conclusion. But that's not our topic here. I brought a, a little uh, box over here for you I want you to see to kind of demonstrate this. We, we left the celery and the horseradish and all that at home. And here's what we brought out for you this time. Brought a can of diced tomatoes. How many have ever made spaghetti sauce? Now, if I make spaghetti sauce, generally I like to have uh, pureed tomatoes, but we did not have that in the cupboard. So, we had these. Probably because we don't use these a whole lot. They're still in there. If they were puree or something like that, they probably would have been gone. 
But if we, we start with just basic tomatoes and then we begin to add things to it, right? But most people don't do it this way. Most people, and I would have brought a jar, but they're a little bit more fragile. So I brought a can. So just picture it as a jar of Prego or something like that. And, uh, but this is, this is flavored, has meat sauce in there. And, you know, you can go out there, you can buy the meat sauce, you can buy the garlic and uh, whatever they might put in there. And they label them all in there. You know, basil and this and garlic and this. And you can buy these things and, and just try them out. And how many of you love them? I see all that sea of hands. Yes. Most of the time we buy a jarred sauce, we, we eat it because, well, I don't have time to make the real thing. But if you get a jarred sauce and you put it on the stove, how many of you add things to it? Because you don't like the flavor of what is there, so therefore you begin to change the flavor of what is there. Most Christians are not puree tomatoes, in which they, all they have is the flavor of the tomato. Most Christians come to you with added flavors. Don't we? I mean, some of us have a little bit of celery added in. A little bit of bitterness. Some of us, we got some jalapeno peppers mixed in there. It's a little bit of an angrier sauce. <laughs> We've got other things that are mixed in. And so when we come to the table, this is, this is who we are. This is, this is who we are. And then as we go along in life, I want you to picture this. You've got your pot on the stove and the sauce is added in. And so then most of us, we're going to go through here and we're going to add some of our own little spices. How many like basil? We like basil in our... We want to, we want to be able to taste the basil. So we're going to add a little bit of the basil in there. How many say it doesn't have enough garlic? I'm going to add a little bit of garlic into my sauce and get, get that garlic going a little bit in there. How many of you... Would like, uh, uh, well, let's, let's use uh, this one. We're going to leave that one go for just now. How many would like, uh, oh, I didn't bring it with me. Here, there it is. Oregano. I an Italian, had an Italian friend one time who would always, in the presence of his wife, they would make, they had sauce wars in their house. They were both Italian. And he would make it one way and she would make it another. And he would always say, in her presence, not behind her back, in her presence, we'd be sitting there at dinner and he would say, she poisons it with an oregano. <laughs> he says, sometimes if I'm cooking the sauce, she'll come over and she'll taste it. No, nah, it's not enough. And she'll put oregano in my sauce. He's not very happy about that. But we like oregano <clears throat> in, in the sauce. How many of you folks like cumin? How many of you would put that into the sauce? No. We, we, if we put that into the sauce, we wouldn't like it, would we? How many of you like aniseed? What would happen if we put that into the sauce? We, we, we wouldn't like that one. Now, this is good for baking and some things. That's what I know it more. How many of you like nutmeg? Yeah, In the sauce. No, okay, we got one person, so I'm not making the sauce. There we go. Uh, Brother Brother Naz, eggnog season is coming. We put nutmeg and eggnog in there, I believe. I love eggnog. Mm. 
How about some pumpkin spice? In the sauce. Now, if, if, you see, if we put the wrong ingredients in the sauce, we take what was good and we make it unsavory. Now, if you put the wrong seasoning in the, the sauce, say you put some pumpkin spice or some anise seed into the sauce, can you cook it off? No, you see, that sauce, that, that, that seasoning is in that sauce, isn't it? It will be in there. You see, this is what we don't always understand, is that when you are going through life and we want favor of God, and I want to pray things like, God, give me favor in a situation, and we, we pray for such things like that. When I have gone off and I have become angry at my spouse, angry at my boss, angry at my coworkers, and I have let anger spew out of my mouth and then fill up on the insides. It is just like taking a sauce and adding the wrong kind of seasoning. And then I want to go over to someone else and I, because if you're cooking sauce, how many of you do this at home? You're cooking sauce and you're proud of the way this sauce comes out. How many of you do this at home? You take the spoon and you find somebody who's passing through the kitchen and they cannot pass through the kitchen without tasting. Come, come here and taste this. My wife doesn't wait for me to pass through the kitchen. She comes out to the shop. Taste this. See, how, see if it needs anything. I kind of think... Then when she says doesn't need anything, the real question is, tell me how good it is. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but we, we want other people to, to sample and to taste it. And if they say, ooh, we don't like that. We don't like that's that sauce is not gaining their favor. And they, they don't want to eat that later on. We wanted to gain favor. You see, I want to be favorable. But if I keep bringing in nasty ingredients and having them part of me, it influences other people when they get near them. Because they say, I'm picking up. Did you put cumin in the sauce? Man. I mean, is that anise seed that I taste? You put that in your spaghetti sauce? My wife puts it into these things they call pizzelles. It's apparently a Italian traditional cookie that they make and they put anise seed in it. I despise anise seed. If you're going to make, she knows, if you're going to make a batch of pizzelles, leave the anise seed out because I will not touch them if they have the, that ingredient in there. There are certain ingredients I don't like. I know some of you folks do and I'm sorry, not really. If you put curry in anything, anything, I don't care what it is. I don't like curry. Some people love it. How many folks right here, you love curry? There you go. See, you love it. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like it a little bit. I will go hungry. My, my, my family loves to go to a restaurant that's special. One of those restaurants that has curry in everything. I went with them one time and said, I'm, I'm not going to eat. Because I know they have curry in everything. So I said, I'm just going to go and sit 
with you all and just enjoy the family time. And, and, and so I sat and I got ill. <laughs> I said, I will not go to the restaurant with you when they put curry in everything. So I stay away from there. So they all know. And they all, they, I mean, they all like that restaurant, those kind of restaurants. They all love them, love them. Can't wait to go there. If dad's not going with us, let's go over here. If dad's not going, we can go out to the Oriental restaurant and, and have some fun. If I'm going, I restrict, you know, Mexican, Italian. What else do you have to go out for? I don't, I don't know. But Chinese. We do not go out for Chinese. <laughs> you may go out for Chinese. If they go out for Chinese and bring it home, there are two Chinese dishes I will eat. And they usually get both of them so that I have something to eat. But um, I'm just not a fan. I'm very happy with my limited scope of foods that I eat. Don't try and broaden my horizons. Very happy. And I'm, and I'm happy that you like stuff that I don't like. Somebody's got to eat those things. Remember, though, others will not favor whom they do not trust. If you keep bringing the wrong things in, even though you're not, I'm, I'm with a customer service person, but I was angry with my spouse. That carries over with you. Because that anger has infected your being. That bitterness infects you. That's why we used those examples last week of the celery. Because if you are a person who's bitter, you are celery all the time. How many of y'all know you can put peanut butter on celery? Mm, yeah. And if you're a little kid, how many have ever heard this? Ants on a log. Ants on a log. Put peanut butter on the celery and put little raisins over top of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, You would not get me to eat that if you called it ants on a log or any other cute name. <laughs> because I love raisins and I love peanut butter, but I despise celery. I will not scrape the peanut butter off and eat it. It has been tainted with the celery. It is forever ruined as peanut butter. Verse 10. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel. Oh, we didn't. Did we? Um, yeah, we got there. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? So he asks, he says, look, I don't want to eat the nice food. Understand, he is not asking to eat vegetables and no wine because vegetables are more healthy. I love it when people try and come after me with this verse because that is not what he said. He said he does not want to eat vegetables only. He says he does not want to eat food sacrificed to idols. And they don't sacrifice vegetables to idols because no one wants them. <laughs> no, I'm just having fun with you. I do eat some vegetables. But they don't sacrifice them to idols. So he knew as far as foods that he can eat and not have to be concerned about was this in the ceremony to the idols or not. It would be vegetables. They didn't sacrifice all meat to the idols. But Daniel didn't want to be picking through which one was and which one wouldn't be. He didn't want to go through which wine was dedicated to the idols and which one wasn't. He just said, I'll just eliminate that and we'll deal with it over here. 
So he had favor, and so he asked to be excused from drinking the, the wine and eating the meat. And he says, look, I'm not asking for a special diet. I'm not asking you to go out and to, to do something. I can't, I just, this is what I, I want. Just give me the vegetables. That's it. Just give me the vegetables, uh, water, uh, bread, whatever it might be. Just give me those things. And so he's concerned. He says, uh, I'm responsible to make sure that you guys look good. And I'm afraid that you guys are not going to look good and they're going to come back to me and say, how come these guys look so skinny and unhealthy? So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat at the portions, uh, portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and that they tested them for ten days. Now look at what Daniel does. Daniel, this, he, this is a strong conviction for him that he would not eat meat sacrificed to idols. Strong conviction for him. But he doesn't get objectionable. He doesn't get nasty. He doesn't start pulling in ingredients that have no bearing in the sauce. He stays pleasant. He has been pleasant up to this time. That's what's got him to favor. But he continues on being pleasant. And he says, look, I understand you have a job to do and I don't want to interfere with your job. So tell you what, how about if we do this? Ten days, you know, we're looking at a three-year pro- program here that we're in. Ten days is not going to be a, a bad thing. Let's look at it for ten days. You test us out. And at the end of the ten days, you look on us and you decide. How many of you are willing to do that? I'll tell you what, I don't know a whole lot of people that are willing to say what Daniel said are not willing to live it. Because if you went through the 10-day test and he came back and said, I'm sorry, I don't see that you're any better. I see that you're worse. And I'm going to go back to what we're doing. I'd see most Christians would say, well, fine then. I'm not going to eat. And they would rebel. I don't see that in Daniel at all. Daniel, I say, if, if the guy came back and said, I'm sorry, but this is what you need to eat. I think he would have been, he would have found peace with God to go ahead and do. God, you know that I, I gave it a try to, to stay. This is my conviction. I don't want to do this, but I am not in a place where I can decide. Someone else is deciding for me. And I think he would have been okay with that and going, and I think God would have been just fine with it too. But you see, a lot of Christians, we get just objectionable. You cannot make me eat those things. No, no. And they, they would get objectionable. They would get nasty. And that's why they're not walking in the favor of God because they get nasty. They get objectionable. They bring in other things that they should not bring in and their flavor becomes tainted with something that's not right. Now some of the characteristics that are displayed that we see to see from other people's perspective. How many of you are more favorable to someone who can see something from your point of view not just their own? They've done it when you over. Wow, you really can see this from, from where I'm coming from? Wow. I, I, I really think that's, that's helpful. I don't know. When, I think I told you the story before, but you know when I was working retail, working in Ken's Pizza and places like that, you know when they want you for retail, if you worked, how many worked in retail? How many have never worked in retail in their, their life? Okay, you guys have no idea what this is about. But if you work in retail, there are certain times they want you, which is? Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. 
Those are the days they want you. They want you Friday night, Saturday, they want you Sunday. So basically you have no weekend. They want you every weekend. And sometimes you've got to twist their arm to get any time off on, for that at all because they want you Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because that's their busy times. This is when they're going to bring everybody in. But when do most people, especially the people who work in retail, when you're, you're, you're younger, younger years, when do you want off? Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so, you know, there can be a, a clash that comes up there because uh, the, the young people come in there, I can't work Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And they just say, fine, you can't work here. <laughs> we, we need you Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And that's, that's, this is not working. So we're not getting outside of our perspective. So when I was over there at Ken's Pizza, and uh, I had, uh, you know, school I was going to, so they couldn't have me during the day on Monday through Friday. And, of course, they went and we, well, I was hired for nights anyway, so that wasn't an issue. But I knew I wanted Sundays off for church. So what I went to them and did this, I said, look, I will work every Friday and every Saturday. Every one. I won't ask for one of them off. You can work me every Friday and you can work me every Saturday. Just give me Sundays off. And they were agreeable to that. They said, well, that's fine. You see, I gave them something and then they gave me something back. Be pleasant. Be agreeable. Look at it from their perspective. This is when all the business is in here. This is when they need people in. So I gave them a workable solution. I would never ask. I never did ask for a Friday or Saturday. I worked them all the time. And uh, Sundays they gave me off. And it, uh, it worked out real, real well. But sometimes you've got to be able to get out and see things from other people's perspective. You may not agree with it. You don't have to agree with it to see their perspective. All you have to do is see it from there and be able to to discuss it. You will open up doors. You'll open up favor just by doing that. Another characteristic displayed by Daniel was to be submissive, not problematic. He's not creating problems. He's submitted to the thing. I'm not creating a problem here. I'll I'll submit to whatever it is that you decide. Some people say that, but as soon as you go against what they think you ought to do, as soon as you go against their viewpoint, then they, uh, they become disagreeable. That's not good if you're trying to get favor. To trust other people. If you want favor from other people, you also need to trust other people. Sometimes we have no trust in other people. Well, no one else can do it right but me. If you have that attitude, no one else can do it right by me. And if they're out there trying to do it and trying to do something and you keep picking on how many of you like people to stand over your shoulder and say, that's not right, that's not right, you're doing it wrong. We don't like that, do we? No, that's not gaining favor from them because they know you don't trust me. If you want other people to give you favor, you must also be willing to give them trust. If you want favor. And if you don't trust these people over here, it will affect the favor you want in an entirely different area because you have altered the sauce. You made it an angry sauce. You made it a bitter sauce. Whatever it might be that you've done, you've altered the sauce. To yield to their judgment. You need to sometimes step back and yield to someone else's judgment. Well, you know, I don't quite see that here, but you're real convinced of this and you, you see it more than I, and you yield to that. Let's go ahead and try it your way. Let's go ahead and go in this direction. If you will yield to their judgment, what are they likely to do for you? Yield to yours. But you see, some people go around and all they want is you to yield to their judgment. But they never yield themselves. 
that builds up a lack of trust and also what's it do for favor? Takes me out of the favor of that person. You can pray all you want to. You're not getting the favor. So this is part of the way of favor. This isn't all of it. But that's part of the way of favor. You need to operate yourself, carry yourself in this way. I put this in your outline for you. Favor is intended for more than getting the food you want. If favor for you does nothing more than get you extra cornbread at the restaurant, your favor is not working the way it needs to be. Your favor needs to do more than get you the food that you want. Get you the service that you want. And here's where you pick up in verse 15. At the end of ten days, their features appeared better and fatter and flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them. And among them, among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. So because they walked in this way, it changed the way that they operated. It changed the way they absorbed information. It changed the way they absorbed wisdom. And the king said, these guys are ten times better. And it's not because they ate vegetables. It's because they walked in the way of favor. They grew in favor with God. And they grew in favor with men. And God put more and more on them because they walked in a way that showed they could handle it. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, this is where... Have you ever watched um, uh, Hunt for Red October? I mean, I've never seen Hunt for Red October. All right, you don't have to go home and see it. But it is a fantastic movie. In the Hunt for Red October, it is, starts off in two languages. It starts off in English and Russian. And at one point in the movie, it switches to all English. How many of you remember what that point was? It was out in the cabin as they began to read some things and he began, he brought out a scripture and as soon as he read the scripture, he switched over to English. And from that point out, the Russians spoke English and they didn't have to have the subtitles throughout the whole. It was the most remarkable change I'd ever seen in a movie. I loved the way that they did it. It's exactly what happens here. Daniel has written in the natural language of the Old Testament writers until we get to this spot and there it switches to Aramaic. This is the, I believe it's the only book we have that's not in the Hebrew. When it says that they spoke to him in Aramaic, he switches over to the Aramaic language and he carries out the whole rest of the book in that language. 
The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. Now, if you've been through the stuff we've done on Daniel, you know this already. But if you haven't, we'll just refresh you on this. Many people have taught the book of Daniel that the king forgot the dream. How many of you have ever heard that? The king forgot the dream. And that is not what has gone on here at all. The king has not forgotten the dream. The king does not trust his wise men because he feels they have spoken lies to him before. And that's why that verse is right there. I know you'll lie to me. He does not trust them. If he does not trust them, what have they also lost out on? Favor. favor. And you're going to see that here coming up. He, they have no favor with the king at all. He has lost his trust in them. And he says, the only way I'm going to get that trust back is if you first tell me the dream, then I know you're qualified to tell me its interpretation. Because if he forgot the dream, they could make up anything. But they knew they couldn't make up anything because he still remembered the dream. He says, no, you guys tell me the dream. And then I will know that you're qualified to tell me its interpretation. Then the Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of a magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. Now, they're going to say some things here that's going to get him really mad. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. What is he paying them for? They are on staff so that if he has a question of the gods, they can find out what the answer is. And what they're saying is that the gods don't reside with men. <laughs> In other words, they're saying, we are frauds. Gods don't reside with men. For this re reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave a command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. How many know this is not walking in favor? So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. And they saw Daniel and his companions to kill them. So the decree went out. Wise men are already dying. Daniel does not stop all the wise men from dying. Wise men are already being killed. They're just being brought up and slaughtered. But they're really hitting the, uh, the, the, the guys that are in the program that are the king's, ones that the king relies on. They're hitting them first. Now they're going through and they're going to get all the ones in the program that haven't even seen the king yet. We're going to get them too. Verse 14. Uh, then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the, captain's, the king's captain, why is a decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. Now, if you were Daniel, said he answered them with wisdom, if you were Daniel, how many of you would be asking, oh, what's the rush? How many of you would be asking more questions like, why are you going to kill me? You said I was doing so well. Why are you going to kill me? Why do you want us to die? Why are you doing... How many of us are asking those kind of questions? 
He didn't do that. He says, why is the king's command so urgent? And because he asked the right question, and because he had favor with the people that were there, he got an extensive answer. He didn't get, just be quiet, this is what we're doing. We're killing you guys. King's starting over. He didn't do that. He took time. Can you imagine the king giving an urgent order and the guy who's supposed to carry out this order suddenly stops? Picture it this way. How many of you can remember, if your kids are not young, how many can remember back to the days when the kids were young and you were trying to get out to something very important that you have to get to? Some kind of appointment, you have to get out to work, drop the kids off at school, whatever it is. It's very important. And today, more so than any other day, is more important. How can you remember a day when today was more important than any other day and you still had to get the kids ready and get them taken care of and off to wherever it was they were supposed to go to? And so you're trying to go through and do all this and it's not working. And the kids are not cooperating. And it's taking longer to get this done. And then all of a sudden, one of the kids comes up and says, Mommy, is something big going on today that you're in such a hurry? How many of us would answer with stopping what we're doing and saying, well, yes, honey, I have this going on at work today. And um, my boss is going to be asking me to do this and I have a meeting that I have to get to and I have some planning to, to do. On, on. How many of us are, are doing that? No, what are we doing? Be quiet. I need you to do this. Now get it done. But that's not what happens here. He stops what he's doing to take time and to explain all the matter that had gone on. How many of you know that's favor? Favor is not just to have a better breakfast. Favor is intended for this. But you can see they started sowing this favor a long time before. If they had been obnoxious, if they had been rude, in the days leading up to this, they would not have gotten this favor. He wouldn't have known to ask this question. And Ariok wouldn't have taken the time to tell him what was going on. See, no one else knows what's going on. They're just killing him. Then Ariok made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time. Now, it seems that Daniel didn't directly do it, but he sent somebody in and says, Look, if you would tell the king that if he gives me time, I will tell him the dream and its interpretation. See, the reason he knows that is because he got the inside information, because he had favor that he established in the days and months and years before. So when he needed the favor, he has favor to pull on. Most of our times, folks, we are looking for favor, but I need it now, and I haven't sowed anything for favor at all. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now the purpose here was not to save all the wise men is that we don't want to die with them. <laughs> but after he gets it, now if you, were, if you were in Daniel's shoes 
and they're ready to wipe out all the wise men because of this. And then you get the, the vision of the dream and its interpretation. How many of you, as soon as you got it, thank you, God, and you are off. Daniel doesn't do that because of how he is. He operates in favor because he knows what's important. And he does those things. And so after he gets this, he takes time to bless God. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the season. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in darkness. The light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and thus said to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him. Now watch this. I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. I have found a man. Did he find him? No, Daniel found him. How many of y'all know people who like to grab all the glory they can? Those people do not get favor. Then the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Because Ariok just said he's going to make known the interpretation. He says, I want to know the dream and the interpretation. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, cannot declare to the king. That is not good. That's a not good way to open this, is it? Saying that we can't get it done. This is not a good way to start this off. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to, to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your heart. It's not because we are wise. It is not because we have more understanding. It has been revealed to us for our sakes. To keep us alive because God cares about us. That's what he's saying. What was Ariok saying? Look at me. I found someone who can do this. What's Daniel saying? I'm nobody special. I'm nobody special. But God spoke to me and God told me what's going on. So I have some things to, to show you. If you will pull up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 19 is not in your outline. 1 Corinthians chapter 19. I'm sorry, chapter 9, verse 19. Paul writes these things here for us. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews, to those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who were under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ that I might win those who are without law. To the weak became as weak, that I might win the weak, have become all things to all men, 
that I might by means save some. He becomes all things. I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. What does Paul mean by this? I have become all things. All things. We're going to close this off with with looking at this verse of Scripture. I put in your outline here, and I didn't give you any blank lines. I just gave you a whole lot of blank space. You can write down as much of this as you want to. I want to give you some ingredients that make for you to be unfavorable. If you will bring these ingredients into your life, you will not have favor with the people around you. In fact, the more of these things you bring in, or the stronger you bring them in, you will not have favor with the people around you. So that would mean that if you didn't do these things, or if you did the opposite, what would you have? Favor. So you write down what you want to write down, or just listen, however you want to go. But here's, uh, here's someone we already covered. Anger. Anger. Bring in anger. Get angry at the people that are around you, and you will bring unfavor into your life. Remember Ruth? She got a favor with someone. Didn't even meet. Esther had favor with people never even met before. But she had favor. Why? Because she pulled these things out of her life. She wasn't walking these things. Anger is one. Strife. How many of you know people, wherever they go, they stir up strife. If you go over to their house, strife just comes up. They're just bringing strife in about this, strife in about this. How many of you look favorably to getting together with those people? Then why would you think that people will look favorably to getting together with you if what you bring in is strife? Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Bitterness. You know people that every time you get together with them, they talk about being bitter. They're the celeries. You know they're celery. You know if you go over there, you're going to have celery. Celery is going to be in the air. Whether you like it or not, there is going to be celery. Now, not everybody despises celery. How many of y'all know that just because people are bitter doesn't mean they don't have any friends? They do have friends. Are they bitter people? Because they like to get together and talk about their bitterness with this person and that person and this thing over here. Self-seeking people. Self-seeking would be another ingredient. You should not be seeking things for yourself. Seek out the things that benefit others. Isn't this a teaching of Jesus? Don't just seek for what benefits you. Look for what benefits other people. How many of you know people? All they do is seek out what they can get for themselves. And when you see them coming, what are you thinking? Oh, no. Oh, no. How many of you know people? Always asking for something. They need a handout. They need help. They're always asking for something. Every time you see them, they're asking for something. They never ask to help other people. They're just always asking for something on their own. And you see them coming, what do you think? Oh, I got to get out of here. I got to get, get out of here. They're going to ask me for something. I know it. And I don't feel like saying no, but I don't feel like doing whatever it is. Whatever it is they want, I don't want to do it. I don't want to give them money. I don't want to give them time. I don't want to give them help. I don't want to give them advice. They don't take the advice. The money doesn't seem to ever do any good. They're self-seeking people. Don't be a self-seeking person. Get into a situation. Look for how you can help benefit other people. Because then you will have favor. How many of you have some people in your life, it seems like they can't do enough for you? (laughs) Don't we have more favor 
when we look upon them, then we see them and say, oh, look who's coming. How you doing? See, these ingredients can make you favorable, unfavorable. Resentment. Don't carry around resentment. It's going to change the flavor. How many people put cinnamon in their spaghetti sauce? I like cinnamon. Not in my spaghetti sauce. Unforgiveness. Would be another one. If you walk around, you think that, well, I'm just not forgiving these people over here because they deserved to not be forgiven. Don't think it won't affect you other places. It will. It changes your flavor. Demanding. Anybody know some people that are just demanding? Whenever they walk in, they need this done, they need this done, you need to do this for me, you need to do this. Just demanding. How many of you have bosses that are just demanding? They just come in, they demand, you will do this and you will do this and they don't... They don't make you want to do anything. They, oh, I guess I got to get this done. Demanding. Pride. We talked about spending time with this. Gave you a little test for pride. But you bring pride into your life, folks. You are bringing a bad ingredient in. And people don't want any of that sauce. Foolishness. Constantly talked about how Daniel and his friends operated in wisdom. They had great understanding. The more wisdom you operate in, the more favor comes your way. The less wisdom you operate in, the less favor comes your way. What's the Word of God say about wisdom? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you don't have wisdom in a situation, ask of God. He'll give you wisdom. If you operate in that wisdom, you then operate in more favor. Laziness. Word of God doesn't have good things to say about people that are lazy. Get yourself up. Get yourself moving. How many of you don't mind helping people that are at least out there trying to help themselves? Could you imagine going over to somebody's house? I am not saying that this has ever happened to me. I don't expect that this is outlandish enough. I don't think it would ever happen. But can you imagine if somebody says, can you come over and help me move? How many people love going to help other people move? <laughs> we got one hand on that one. <laughs> Look for, oh, I can't wait till somebody asks me to help them move. Oh, this is going to be great. Somebody comes over and says, can you come over and help me move? And you say, okay, I can come over. I have a couple hours I can do on Saturday. And so you're going to go over and help them on Saturday. And they said, oh, I am so glad that you are here. Um, I need to move all these things here in the house out to the truck. But I'm kind of tired, so I'm going to sit right here. What does that make you all want to do? Leave. Wait a minute, you're not going to help? Oh, no, no. I'm too tired. I'm just too tired. That's why I asked you to come over. How many of you, you're, the favor towards that person is now gone? Laziness will drive away favor from you. Don't be lazy. Unsubmissiveness. You walk around being unsubmitted. Not only do you lose favor with God, you will also lose favor with men. Don't go around there saying, well, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Or if you do, um, you know, I'll do it like Daniel said. Whatever you come to a decision on, I'll do. And if Daniel didn't like his decision and then became unsubmissive, that would not bring favor into his life. Harshness or rudeness, whichever one works for you. If you are harsh with people, 
It will change you. You need to get yourself to the point that you are not even harsh in your car with people who do stupid things. How many of you know that can be challenging? That's sometimes challenging for me too. I, sometimes, See, that brings an extra ingredient and changes the flavor. Two more for you. Cynical. Cynical people do not bring in favor. If every time that you were going to work with other people, every time you're going to get in a situation, you expect it to go badly. You talk about it going badly. You talk about how, well, I don't want to bring this one in. If I bring this one in, they're going to be doing this. Well, I was going to ask over work. I was going to ask for this one to help me on this project, but I'm not going to ask them because if I do that, they're going to do this and that. If we are cynical, we don't bring in favor. How do you feel about people that are cynical towards you? If we want favor... We've got to sow favorable things. One more. People that are critical. Everything you see someone else do, you find what is wrong with it. How many of you like to be around people that when folks help them, all they can talk about is how good that help was? How much they enjoyed that help? See, that's, that draws the favor. Being critical does not draw favor. It shuts it down. We don't need to have that kind of stuff going on. Let's keep the ingredients in our life for the favor of God. When Paul wrote that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, to the Jews I became a Jew, to the lawless I became lawless. When he writes all those things, this is basically what he is saying. He is basically saying, folks, that you can get yourself to the place where all the flesh, because all we've talked about with the bad ingredients is they're all just flesh things. You can get yourself to the point where all flesh is gone. All flesh is gone. This is what he's saying. Now, you meditate on this and you don't see if you come up with the same thing. All the flesh is gone. Paul is saying, I have learned how to get rid of all of the flesh aspect out of my life. And all I am working with every time I meet someone is a plain can of sauce. And to the ones who like garlic, I become garlic sauce. And to the ones who like basil, I become basil sauce. And to the ones who like oregano, I become oregano sauce. To those who like meat, I become meat sauce. That's what he is saying. He's saying when I come in and I meet someone, when I come into a situation, I have gotten rid of the flesh aspect and I've tied so much into the Spirit that I can actually change and become what they need. Is that amazing? When he writes to you about overcoming the flesh, this is not a person who's writing in that he is trying to. Paul has overcome so much flesh that he could sit on a ship that was fighting waves and wind for weeks and still love his God and not have any problem with his God or the people on board. That's the guy who's got his flesh under control. And wherever he was at, he could become exactly what was needed. Too many times, folks, Christians, we've come a certain way and we basically say, this is who I am. You need to accept it. And what Paul is saying is, no, change who you are. 
according to the people that are around you so that you can win the more. If you can become, get rid of all the flesh stuff in your life, and if you could have the spiritual aspects so that if that person needs you to be tough, you can be tough. If they need you to speak wisdom, you speak wisdom. If they need you to be just loving and caring, you can be loving and caring. And whatever the situation needed, you could be that for that person. How much, how much you know, that would get you some favor. That would get you some favor. You can get there. Favor is not about going and praying and asking God, God, I need favor, because God does not have the favor of the other people. They have it. What you need to do is to be the kind of person who can unlock it so that that person wants to give it to you. Esther dealt with someone who wasn't even born again. Heathen. A heathen king. Daniel is dealing with heathens throughout the kingdom. Idol worshippers. Heathen. Heathens. And yet, he was able to work himself to a place where they desired to give him things. They looked on him favorably. There is no one in your life that God cannot put you in the best position to receive favor from them, even if no one else has ever had favor from them before. God can do it. Doesn't mean that everyone's going to love you. Not everybody loves Jesus. But he can help you get to that place where favor is given to you. One more thing in your outline here. Once you put these bad ingredients in the pot, folks, they will continue to flavor that pot. You need to keep them out. You need to keep them out. Don't be angry today and expect to have favor tomorrow. That's the way you need to look at it. No, no, no. I'm not going to let that anger get in on me because that's going to change the way my pot is flavored. I put this in your outline here for your, for your clothes. Good flavor means good favor. Good flavor means good favor. If you can get yourself that you have a good flavor about you, that when people meet, oh, I just, I love being around them. I just feel so good when I'm around them. Those are the people. They're going to give favor to you. And you'll be like Daniel, and you'll have confidence to ask for it. Daniel asked for favor. He put a demand on that favor. And you'll be able to do that because you've walked in the way of favor. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you that there is a way that we can walk in this life that will have us grow in favor with God and grow in favor with men that you can teach us from the people who have walked in the past, walked in the favor of men, walked in the favor of God. And we can follow that example. It's so much easier for us just to say, well, I'll just pray for favor. I'll just ask God for favor in this. It's so much harder to live our life the way that you said to do it. We don't have to be perfect to get favor. But if we stop doing so many unfavorable things, favor will find its way to us. Maybe down the road, 
you have situations that that favor that we walk in can be used for your kingdom. People like Ruth, even more so with Esther, even more with Daniel, how the favor they walked in changed the course of history. We want to be prepared. We want to be ready. By doing those things now that bring favor to us. So when we come upon that day, we wake up to find that all the wise men are being slaughtered around us. And we have the favor to put a stop to it. Give you the praise and the glory for it. For you would bring us into a place of great favor. And we would follow. Give you the praise and the glory for it. With every head bowed. If you're here today and you say, I have allowed some bad ingredients into my life. I need to extract those bad ingredients and put in the good. If you're here today and you say, yep, I know of a couple of the bad ingredients God has shown me just here right now. Just raise your hand up. Say, yeah, that's me. I pray for you folks. Glory to God. Father God, you see the hands that are up. I thank you that for each one of us, Father, as you show us these negative things that are in our life, you show us how to get them out. You show us how to remove them and to bring in those traits that are good. That we no longer go through life thinking that I can just be angry and bitter and ornery and rude, harsh, anytime I want to and not have any effect on me. But I realize that down the road, the unfavor I walk in is because of what I sowed in the days before. Father, we want to sow good things that we can obtain favor when we need it. Not just for the right kind of foods like it started off with Daniel, but things that would shape kingdoms and prophecies and rulers. Thank you, Father. You have much planned for us. If we walk in the favor of men and the favor of God, far more can be accomplished. I give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Do we have any praise reports? I see a few of them up here. Anyone else is here has a praise report? Didn't bring it up here yet? Give it to one of our ushers. Victor says, Thank God for the success of my step one board exam. A day after the exam, the devil whispered fear <laughs> to my ears saying, What if you failed the exam? I stood, that, stood up that uh, moving. I said that right, moving. I stood, up that, oh, I stood up that morning and began listening to the faith of God. Oh, one of the, one of the ones we did here. Uh, he spoke from God's word in Romans 10:11. Anyone who trusts in the Lord will not see shame. And help 10 and um, Hebrews 10:35. It's my it's my issue with handwriting, not yours, Victor. Very nice handwriting. I mean, for a guy, she whiz. <laughs> Hebrews 10:35. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great 
recompense of reward. I received peace in my heart and gave thanks. God is faithful to his word. Yeah, it, was, it was great. While he was going through that, he was sending me some Facebook messages. I, I appreciate getting Facebook messages from you folks. You're going through stuff like that or what is you're standing on. He had sent that to me. I'll tell you what, that was great. I enjoyed hearing that. Glad he shared it here with you. Jolly, um, my religious accommodation request has gone up my chain of command. I believe it's coming down to a resounding approved. Miss you all. <laughs> we miss him too when he's, when he's not here. The, I, I heard that he, was, he told me this before. Does he have a date when he expects it to come down? No, no. Okay. So we are still waiting on, on that one. All right, let's stand up one more time. As you head out, bless some people before you go. Wednesday, we're still in the book of Hebrews. We are at the chapter 2. We're picking up on there. If you can't make it on Wednesday night and like to tune in, we are broadcasting it on Facebook. Just tune in to Facebook Live. Go to the church webpage. It should pop up there for you. I believe that if you have liked the page or are following the page or whatever you have to do, that you should get a notice on your Facebook feed that Zoe Christian Fellowship or someone from here, depending on who posted it, is live now. Anybody getting those those notifications? couple of people. All right. If you're not, you're not set up right on the page. Uh, bring your phone in and get yourself set up right on it. If you want to get those uh, notifications, and you, know, you can do that. So that's on Wednesday. And then uh, coming up, uh, nothing else coming up on the, this particular weekend. But we'll have um, church, of course, here on, on Sunday. Great to see you all. Bless some folks before you go.